Hello, folks, and welcome to Back Talk. Back Talk is brought to you by the Buda Area Chamber of Commerce. My name is J.R. Gonsalves, and I'm going to be your host for this episode. And today we're going to talk about bonds. I'm talking bond election, not the type of bond you need to get out of jail after you've been partying too much out on the town. And uh, the bond election's coming up in conjunction with the regular election that we have coming up for city council and the, uh, as I said, the bond propositions. Today with us in the studios, we have the city engineer, John Nett, and our deputy city manager, Micah Grau. Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you. Doing well. Thanks for having us. One is great. One is well. That's a, that's in the positive column. So <laughs> thank you for joining us. And um, we're here just to kind of give a educational type podcast to the public who may be wondering about the bonds. We have two bonds on the ballot proposition. We have A and B. So let's go ahead and start with A. And Michael, will you tell us a little bit about Proposition A and what all that entails? Sure, JR. So our uh, city council asked in 2020 for city staff to start looking at a potential bond election for this November. And to get to this point, the city council appointed a Buda Bond Advisory Commission, or committee actually, made up of, of area residents, uh, representatives from, from different boards and commissions in the city. And they worked for about five or six months earlier this year to come up with this list of projects. But for Prop A, the total projected cost is $73.57 million. And it includes a variety of projects, everything including road reconstruction and rehabilitation of some roadways, important roadways within our community, as well as adding uh, capacity within our some of our existing connections and intersections, and also looking at expanding capacity through uh, some of our, our lane infrastructure in the community. Before you hit with that sticker shock, so one more time, this Prop A is mostly for transportation. It is. It's for transportation. Uh, there are some pedestrian and bike improvements thrown in uh, with Prop A as well. And then there's some trail projects that are in Prop B, which we'll talk about in, the, in a second. Uh, Micah, on the transportation in the streets, can you go into a little bit more detail? Which streets are, there, are you actually talking about for the listeners? I sure can. The first one on the list is Old Black Colony. Uh, we are seeing quite a bit of growth over on the west side of Buda. There's new neighborhoods being built. And this project will be a reconstruction of portions of Old Black Colony that aren't going to be developed by development as it comes into, into the community. The next project is West Goforth Road. This is a, a roadway in central Buda. Um, it can act as an, as an alternative to Main Street when uh, traffic is high on Main Street, and we're, we're wanting to reconstruct that as a complete roadway with bicycle lanes and sidewalks as well. Austin Street is right in the heart of downtown. This project will rehab Austin Street to add more parking, add underground stormwater conveyance, and add just more capacity for, for um, downtown Buda. We also have a few rehab projects. One is Tally Loop, and the other is Middle Creek Drive. Both of these roadways were identified in our pavement management plan as needing some rehab work, and so the bond election will take care of those two projects. Next is Overpass Road and FM 2001 intersection. Hayes County is working with TxDOT currently to reconstruct and realign portions of FM 2001, but we do know that traffic can back up right there at the intersection of Overpass Road in 2001. So what is proposed in the bond election is to do a warrant study and see if we need to add a, a more in terms of signalized intersections to, to help improve uh, traffic flow through that area. Some other projects are uh, adding a sidewalk to connect uh, uh, through Main Street from downtown over to Butamelon Grain. So this project is called the FM 2770 China Street Main Street Sidewalk. 
IH35 to Old San Antonio. We, we want to build a connector between those two roads as you're coming off the I-35 frontage road. We want to have another way to get back to Old San Antonio so you can cut back to Main Street or get back to the business areas there along I-35. Some other projects that we're looking at, again, are just gen generic pedestrian and bike improvements. We don't have specific projects identified yet, but the Bond Advisory Committee did include some money to have funds set aside for those improvements. And then we're also looking to do some planning work. We know there's growth coming in the areas on 967 where the curve is called. We, we call it the Bailey Curve or the Armbruster Curve, but we're looking at doing some planning work there to see how a uh, future roadway that could connect 967 up to a future extension of SH-45, and then go east and west as well to pr provide alternative transportation to just using 967. Uh, lastly, we have some improvements on 967, which would be Excel and Decel lanes, and uh, also adding a right turn lane onto 1626. There's a short right turn lane there currently, but by backing that right turn lane up further, uh, closer to Canyon Rin, we're hoping to add more capacity and, and help traffic get through that intersection a little bit more efficiently. You mentioned Austin Street and um, some additions there and some drainage. What's that going to look like? And will that drainage help prevent our downtown from being flooded after heavy rain? We did address a lot of the drainage improvements with the Main Street project. That also included some drainage work, but this would also add more capacity. We would be taking the, the drainage network from the ditch drainage that's currently now and putting it under pavement. So we would have underground stormwater would add more capacity for parking and help that, that stormwater get through the area and drain off a little bit better. Well, Mike, you've talked about a lot of um, improvements, a lot of roads and turn signals, turn lanes here. Is that going to help relieve the traffic in Butin? I'm going to let our city engineer, John Nett, speak about that. He has more information about the transportation master plan, too, and how these projects were selected. So some of the background that we provided to the Butte Bond Advisory Committee included the content of our 2020 Transportation Mobility Master Plan, homework per se, you know, looking through all of the projects that had been evaluated. Well, in developing that plan, we heard a lot from citizens in the community what they wanted for transportation mobility. And you've asked about solutions that would provide relief for congestion and alternate means of travel. We think we've accomplished that in the, the group of projects that they selected. Specifically, the community through the surveying process and the open houses we had said that they want support for protected bike lanes and trails. They were looking for pedestrian safety, particularly for children and the disabled, preservation in natural areas, and preserving our small town feel. They want traffic signal timing improvements. They're concerned about traffic congestion and that we keep pace with growth in the area. And then also looking at regional solutions. So we think that the package that came forward, we have a good mix of all of that. One of the specific projects that Micah mentioned would be installing acceleration and deceleration lanes along 967. We've all been through there in the morning and the evening where it can sometimes queue up all the way between downtown and 1626. This will allow a designated turn lane either to turn into an area or come out of an area and accelerate and get back into the main lane of traffic. That way you can progress traffic through. You're not stopped because someone's wanting to turn left and then backing up that traffic all the way, either direction, east or west. Now, John, another question I have is that it's not actual transportation, but it's definitely related to it. How about parking? Sure. So on the Austin Avenue project, that area is going to be converting to uh, business use over time and maybe mixed use. We're going to have on-street parking as a part of that project. 
on the West Goforth uh, project, that's also converting to a mix of uses. We need to have more parking in that area. So we have not talked about our parks package yet, Proposition B, but we do have parking in that group of projects for City Park. You see, we've got it distributed through the downtown area. There's really not one magic solution, but a group of these projects will provide parking in addition to what we already have. And a question for either of you gentlemen. If this uh, proposition were to pass, how long will it take for implementation? We're estimating between three to five years. I mean, we saw with the 2014 bonds, there's a lot of regulatory oversight and and things that we have to negotiate through the Texas Department of Transportation, uh, Union Pacific, if they're involved. And those projects can take quite a bit of time um, just coming to, to fruition. So that's our, our estimate right now is between three to five years. Certainly these projects won't happen Three overnight. to five years for implementation or for completion? For implementation. Okay, so maybe once they get started, maybe another period of time after that. It's our hope that we will, if, again, if the bonds are approved, we'll, we'll hit the ground running uh, pretty fast in terms of, of design and starting any easement or land acquisition that needs to occur. And then the hope is to, to start the initial construction on some of these projects in year three. Again, some of them may go out further, but it is our, our hope that we'll have everything completed within five to seven years. Michael, let me ask you this question just for the edification of our listeners. I love that word, edification. There's a lot of folks out there that are young, young families that have moved in and are not accustomed to voting for a bond. What is a bond and how does that work? Great question, JR. So a bond election is what we're referring to, and it's a general obligation bond. And a general obligation bond is outlined under state code. And essentially what it means is that it's voter approved. So the voters, of the people that live in the city limits, if you live in Sunfield or other areas outside of the city limits, unfortunately you're not eligible to vote in it. But if you live in the city limits, the slate of projects or these two propositions are brought to you, they show up on the ballot, and you get to decide whether or not the city moves forward with these projects or not. The reason it's voter approved is these projects are directly associated with, with the tax rate. So these projects will be funded by the property taxes that the people pay uh, each year. So if, if a bond passes, that price tag that you mentioned earlier, $73 million plus, that actually comes out of people's tax. It does. But the actual residents have a direct say whether they want to see this or not through the democratic process of voting. Absolutely. Great. John, let's talk about Prop B. What do we got there? Sure. So the, the props are broken into the transportation package and the parks package. So much like the transportation package, we've structured into different areas. We have uh, park space, we have park facilities, and then we have what we would term active transportation projects, bike, ped, uh, walkable trails, and sidewalk projects. So the first project that we'd like to highlight is the Garlic Creek Trail Phase 2 project. It's to expand the system of trails we already have in the, uh, the Garlic Creek Greenbelt to connect the west side neighborhoods to larger facilities and to sidewalks uh, into the downtown area. We also have the Onion Creek Trail. We'll be seeing some of this work with development along Old Black Colony, a new residential subdivision in that area, but it's continuing that project across 967, allowing connection to City Park and ultimately Garrison Park, which is a good segue to the next group of facility type improvements in park space. We have the first phase of Garrison Park to actually bring programming and facilities to that area. This was a space that was acquired with the previous bond proposition, but that space has yet to develop into its full usability. 
For those of y'all unfamiliar with Garrison Park, this is a 38-acre site located just north of City Park. Uh, so it will, in, in reality, act as an extension of City Park, but it's right there along the curve in Onion Creek. We also have existing parks in Green Meadows and Stone Ridge, both of those subdivisions. It's adding more amenities and more use for those areas. And then, as we mentioned previously, adding parking in City Park. There's a space to have parking for events, whether they're in downtown or City Park or Garrison Park in the future, we can add more parking space there. And then finally, we're looking at land acquisition on the east side of I-35, that there's some regional facilities that will be programmed uh, for that side of town. Jim, as we're talking about this, I understand that these are propositions and the voters have their choice. And I know as city employees, you cannot go either for or against, just basically give the information. So I'm gonna word the next question carefully to either one of you. So let's take Proposition B. More parks, more infrastructure with that. Okay, we're already the outdoor capital of Texas. We got all these great parks. Do we need more? Well, when you look at the way our plans are structured, they actually, the bond propositions work together, but we have to have interconnectivity. So if you're, you know, in your neighborhood and you want to get to the park, you know, the transportation assets facilitate that as well as park space. But to really realize, you know, that, that full usability of that space we have to have infrastructure and facilities in those park spaces our city council recently adopted a parks master plan this is a a 10-year update to our 2012 parks master plan that was previously adopted and there's there's still a desire for for other amenities in our park system so this uh prop b uh, aims to satisfy some of those uh, identified needs within the community certainly garrison park adds a new dimension in terms of more of a passive uh, recreation space that we currently don't have. We don't have any places right now where residents can access Onion Creek and swim in it. So that will be uh, something that they can do in Garrison Park. The other amenities and trails are things that are were high in our citizen surveys and in the the parks, the transportation mobility master plan. They were identified as priorities and also the parks master plan. What would you say to somebody? Say, okay, um, this looks great, but some of those improvements they're in proximity to certain neighborhoods and I don't live anywhere near there. So how does that benefit me? The thing with, with the parks bond is uh, yes, Green Meadows and Stone Ridge are are more neighborhood parks, but Garrison Park is intended to be a regional park. Uh, We see quite a bit of traffic at city park from out, even outside of the community. So people are coming from Kyle, South Austin, wherever to to visit city park and Garrison Park is going to offer similar amenities as, as like a blue hole in Wimberley or, or some of those other places in Hayes County where you, again, can have more interaction with the, the native landscape. The east side park and land acquisition, we know that a lot of our growth in the future is going to occur on the east side, and we don't have a regional park over on that side of the, of the community. So thinking long term, our the Bond Advisory Committee and the Parks Commission and everyone that's weighed in on this has made it a priority to for the city to find 60 to 80 acres that we can set aside over on the east side to, to have that, that east side regional attractions so that people that that do live on the east side don't have to travel over to the sports flex on the west side or even into city park or garrison park if they don't want to make the track Uh, track will have some amenities for for larger play um, outdoor recreation all those things over on the east side overall it looks like if in fact these bonds were to pass it would probably have the effect would be a better quality of life for beautiful residents of more parks less traffic Drainage, 
some stuff to kind of spread out and not be so congested. Is would that is that a correct assessment? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, these projects were selected again by residents. By was, residents themselves. The, yeah, the bond advisory committee were were made up of residents, and they were the ones that looked at the 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 city's different master plans and our capital improvements plans, and they were the ones that that prioritized these projects. So, uh, I think they had that in mind as they want to again ha- meet the needs of the community and and have the amenities that they hear from their neighbors or, that are desired here. You know, to follow on your question previously, Jr. we were enjoying uh, Market in the Park with you earlier today, and there were citizens talking about City Park. Well, one gentleman said, yeah, I like to walk and run in City Park. But when he realized, wow, if we could connect the Greenbelt and Onion Creek to City Park, I can go right from my neighborhood and enjoy those amenities. And people also ask questions, well, you know, are you thinking about connectivity of all these parks ultimately? That's absolutely where the city wants to proceed in the future. So maybe in the future, like hike and bike trails connecting all yeah, the parks? Yeah, fully integrated system from the west side to the east side. That would be nice. This looks great, but somebody has to pay for it. Now, Micah, you threw out the figure of $73.57 million just on Prop A. And on Proposition B, we're looking at another, what, $16.9 million. Guys, I mean, we're talking like $90 million here. I mean, that's some coin. So how did how does the city pay for that? Or what does that mean to the taxpayer? I mean, it sounds good, but as a taxpayer, what's that what's that going to mean to me? So the the total uh, bond package is eighty nine point six six million, and uh, again, it will be paid for by by um, people's through their property tax. So it's not just homeowners; it's it's commercial properties as well. The average tax increase for the average home value in Buda, which is two hundred eighty seven thousand nine hundred twenty seven dollars. The average tax increase would be $38 per year. We are in a position that we're in a very fast-growing area. With our assessed valuation increases each year from new growth added to our tax values, that's one of the ways that, that we're, we're hoping to be able to keep this tax rate increase at a minimum. So we use very conservative projections when we do our forecasting and modeling. So uh, with the, the last bond election, I think we told our residents it was going to be upwards of an 11 cent tax increase, but in reality, it only ended up being about a four cent tax increase. And we're certainly hoping that that is the case with this bond election as well. And with the bond election too, the city council is only asking for the authority to issue these bonds. If the economy flounders or or things go bad, it doesn't mean that we would automatically issue these bonds. Uh, the, The city council still has the opportunity to evaluate economic pressures and impacts before issuing debt. So cost to the average taxpayer would be what again? $38 per year based on the average home value. So if a person lives in a home that's valued lower than the average home, lower tax. Correct. And if they live in something a little bit nicer than the average home, higher. That's right. So when you break it down to 38, 38, 38 per year, per year, $38 per year, mm-hmm. a few less trips through Starbucks and that'll cover that just for better quality of life. So I see how that works. Then, um, so when do they vote? So early voting starts on October 18th, so just a few uh, few weeks from now, and then election day is November 2nd. You can check Hayes County there, the election administrators, for information about early voting, but I know Buda City Hall and Sunfield Station will be locations for early voting. Again, the, the hours and days fluctuate, so you'll want to check with Hayes County. Or you can go to the, the city's website, which will have, also have information about the um, bond election and the general election. Michael, what is that city website address? So the city's website address is ci.buta.tx.us, but we have created a special bond election website 
which is butabonds.com. Butabonds.com. And what I'm going to do, folks, if you're listening, go to the notes, uh, the podcast notes, and I'll go ahead and put that information there. We'll also go ahead and give you the information on early voting because early voting times actually fluctuate. There are going to be two locations for early voting. We're going to have it at one at the Buda City Hall and at Sunfield Station. And that starts, starts on October 18th. Actual voting day is Tuesday, November 2nd, and voting there is from Tuesday to Tuesday. And I'm sure if you check uh, the websites or even call the Chamber of Commerce, we'll be more than happy to share with you where those locations are. Gentlemen, I want to thank both of you for being here. Is there anything else you would like to talk about? Michael, you mentioned earlier some open houses that are coming up. Or is there where can people go to get additional information if they still need it? Yeah, thanks again, JR. First of all, go to butabonds.com. Although the information we have about the projects is listed there. But we are going to be having a few town hall meetings. The first one is um, on October, Thursday, October 7th. It will be at City Hall beginning at 6 p.m. Uh, we'll be running through the different projects, talking about the tax rate impact and all the other information related to the bond election. The second one will be at uh, Cabela's in the upstairs conference room, and that will be on October 13th, also beginning at 6 p.m. If you can't make it to either of those sessions, we will have a virtual session that will take place on October 18th. As well, we're also going to be uh, doing a pop-up uh, session at some of our local parks. So you can go to butabonds.com to see where those are. But basically every Saturday morning from here until election date, we're going to be popping up at different parks around the community from 10 a.m. to noon. So if you have questions, you can stop by casually, learn more about the election. Super. John, anything from you, sir? No, I appreciate you having us here today. Great having you guys. I know you can't say anything, so I will. Folks, remember to vote. Put it on your calendar. Early voting starts October 18th. Not going to not gonna tell you how to vote, but just research the material and go vote. You are citizens here, and you make the difference, and this is your town. Keep Buda beautiful and make it a better way of life. For those of you interested, I, it would be remiss if I didn't mention Buda Chamber of Commerce is putting on a rodeo. Yes, folks, you heard it right, a rodeo. On October 16th, we're having a rodeo. going to be out at Pinballs out there where they have the carnival. Gates open at 3 p.m., and it's going to go on until um, 10 o'clock that night. The actual rodeo starts at 6.30 till 10 p.m. We're going to have bull riding and mutton busting. If you want to get your kid involved in uh, the mutton busting, please call the Chamber of Commerce at 512-295-9999. We're only taking pre-registrations. We're going to have about slots for about 20 mutton busting riders. They have to be at least under 60 pounds for them to participate. We're going to have about 20 cowboys bucking some bulls out there. We're going to have food. We're going to have music. We're going to have entertainment. We're going to have some Mexican chados out there doing some rope tricks and performing on horses. Tickets for that are going to be $15 for adults and $10 for children. You can actually go to the Buda Area Chamber of Commerce website. That's butachambertx.com. One more time, butachambertx.com. And buy your tickets online. I hope to see you out there. And by all means, take care of yourself. Mask up. This isn't over. And remember to vote. Why? Because it's the Buda thing to do. 